Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight, and joining me from across the pond is my transatlantic movie brother, the statesman to my kingsman. It's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, sir? I am doing okay today, Matt. How about yourself? Uh, I am. Uh, I'm doing very well. I am doing really well. It's been really cold and rainy today. The fall season is upon us, my friends. It's uh, it's it, it's a coming, and I know we're going to have a bright, cheery conversation today. But um, that ahead, are you uh, keeping Florida safe? Oh, you know, I do my part. Um, it's it's a uh, it's always a day, and things are moving. It's it's raining kind of right now. Like it's nice, not nice. raining at my house, but you can see that it's coming this way. So. Uh, it's always it's always kind of storming here. We have hurricane just hit Texas. There's a hurricane like off the coast of Africa that might be heading this way. So who knows? Um, there's one that hit Louisiana the week before. Yes. So like it's the end of the season and it's it's ramping up apparently because they're just popping off. The one that hit um, Texas today shares the name with my cousin. So I had to message him like, "Hey, leave Texas alone." You know. <laughs> and did it work? No, uh, I haven't heard much of an update, but it didn't sound like Texas was doing. Uh, I don't know how bad it is. It kind of came out of nowhere. Like I had no um, idea there was another one already looming. And uh, it, normally Florida is like always on the alert, but I guess this one was never coming at us. So we didn't hear about it, or at least I didn't hear about it. No, well, whilst the world falls apart around us in more ways than one, we're always here each week to talk about films on the bloody awesome movie podcast. We speak about the, um, the biggest release of the week or the most mainstream, or the most talked about release, and that's certainly what we're doing tonight. And just a disclaimer, non-spoilers, this episode, the main episode is always non-spoilers, and then on Monday we'll drop our spoiler-filled thoughts in a mini-sode, mini-episode. So for tonight, we're going to give you a non-spoiler review and thoughts and opinions on Malignant. You might have heard of it online this week. It's directed by and written by James Wand. Uh, one, sorry. Also, yeah, written not by, one. Is that, He's no Potter at, fan. I, um, yeah, I was looking at the the, uh, the next name, which is Ingrid Bisu, um, which I believe is his wife. The D threw mm. me off in Ingrid. So James Wan, Ingrid Bisu, and Akila Cooper wrote this, and it stars Annabelle Wallace, Maddie Hassan, George Young, Nicole Brianna White, and Jean Louise, Louisa Kelly. Um, the synopsis from IMDb reads: Madison, Annabelle Wallace is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders and her torment worsens as she discovers that these waking dreams are in fact terrifying realities. Uh, the terrifying reality is Rotten Tomatoes ha- has this at 76% uh, and the critic rating 50 on Metascore. We'll get into mm-hmm. that. 6.3 IMDB user and 3.2 out of 5 on Letterbox. So looking at that, you know, av- above average ratings there. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go in with that. I Before think. you get into your re- review, which is the, the protocol of Matt's, in- of Matt's h- intro, he goes first. But I want to point out an important little caveat. Uh, Always. What, Mikola, I'm not saying, Mikola, is that how you're saying that? Mikola, I, think Mc- I, I think I said Mikola, which may Mc- or may not be okay, wrong. Okay, that makes more sense. Do you know what Birkenfield's favorite 90s movie she happens to be in? Say, uh, Encino Man. Encino Man. The connections continue, is all I'm saying. Uh, it's a Brendan Fraser renaissance, everybody, and Encino Man needs to be reevaluated for the masterpiece that it is. Um, she is one of the friends of uh, the girl that um, Sean Ashton's character is 
uh, in love with. So, yeah. I was like, when I saw, I was like, the whole movie, I'm like, she looks familiar. And then I was looking at her IMDb for this. I'm like, oh, what? And I immediately knew who she was in Encino Man. But like, yeah, obviously, that's a long time from 90, what, like 91, I think, Encino Man is to yeah, pretty much early 90s. I mean, yeah. 30 years. So, uh, God, dude, 30 years. Where, where is the time? Well, bear that in mind when we're talking about this film. That John also is a fan of Encino Man and Hudson Hawk. So just keep keep that in the back of your mind, everyone. Um, I would rather rewatch either one of those movies. Let's just put that up. <laughs> well, let's get into it. Released uh, day and date in theaters around the world, but also HBO Max for our North American friends. Um, James Wan's return to horror. He's been called up slightly scurrilously and scandalously a master of modern horror now i don't know where he got that name from because and i like the conjuring the first one i think that's very very good i think yeah. insidious is pretty good but you know i'm, I'm not going to run out and say he's the new uh the new hitchcock or something like that or anything and like saw that. though don't forget and saw, saw but let, let's not forget lee one l has uh was part of that mm. look how be- much better his films are um so Malignant. Uh, again, we don't give spoilers on there. The only spoiler I'll say is you may have seen that this film is getting a lot of chatter online. People seem to either like it or they don't like it. It, it is one of those films. There doesn't really seem to be any in between about that, which usually gets certainly gets us kind of hyped as well. You know, if people are if it gets people talking, we may be more interested in seeing it than the, the films that get like full out hype all over the place. So uh, I went into this knowing that it was apparently quite good. Um, and also that some people didn't like it, but I did, uh, had a good time with this film. It, it, it's, which is surprising because there's not a lot of good in this <laughs> film. Yeah. The, the acting I'll get out of the way is average at best. Yeah. The, the dialogue is below average at best. It's not a scary horror film. What worked for me though, I like, I liked the mystery in this. I didn't, you know, some people are saying they got the twist immediately. I didn't. Um, so I liked the mystery and the way they're kind of building up to it. I liked the twist. I liked the third act, which yes, was absolutely crazy. I didn't like the end. I thought the end, the end made me giggle because it was really poorly realized, but there was just something about the malignant, which kept my attention. It, 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 I put in my review. It felt like this felt like a director who just was let loose from the, the franchise world. So F fast and furious seven Aquaman, things like that. Coming back to horror and thinking, do you know what? I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do a film for the fun of it. I'm going to make it, I'm going to give it those throwback vibes. Those are like a lot of people said, and I agree those Giallo vibes with um, certainly around uh, the character of Madison. Annabelle Wallace is the archetypal Giallo character. Um, but there was just something about it. It felt like it, it felt cheesy. It felt camp. And I don't mind that in a horror film. Uh, and it's, and I, I'm saying this in the full knowledge that I'm usually the one who says, you know, if, if the story isn't good and the characters aren't good and the dialogue, then how can a film succeed? But so it just, you know, it, it just felt like a fun, f- flowy, you know, easygoing horror film. And I, I know that might not make any sense, but I haven't come out of it thinking it's changed my world. Um, I, I have come out of it still thinking about that bonkers finale, but a lot of this shouldn't work. And I know I'll be the first to say that. And I kind of almost preempting John. I know that a lot of this is, by all intents and purposes, <laughs> not very good. But I was one of the ones who was just drawn in by it. I don't know. Maybe maybe I've just wanted a horror film which isn't part of a franchise, which isn't tied into something else, which can just go balls to the wall and go mad as well. Uh, if it wasn't for that third act, then the film generally would be not very good. But 
I don't know. There was I, I got sucked in by the by the mystery, and I got sucked in by you know where where is this going? What what's going on? You know, we've got this uh, character called Gabriel who's in it, who's just kind of seeming like invincible beast almost. There's no spoilers there. Um, I was like, well, well, where are they going with this? And you've got a cop who just leers over every woman who he, he comes across, which is very off-put. George Young's character, which is very off-putting. Um, and I, I find it hard to put into words because a lot of the review I put out was basically saying it, not a lot of this is very good, but there's something about it. But if you look at those old horror films of the 80s and the 90s, how many of them aren't really very good? But we have a good time watching most of the Friday films, even though my beloved nightmare films, Halloween, most of them are cack. Most of them are very good, but people enjoy watching them because they've got that certain something about them. Um, and I know that I'm not entirely alone with this thought. because I'm seeing a lot of people really no. praising this film and um, really enjoying the kind of like the refreshing change. But as you may have heard, it didn't work for everyone. And whilst I'm being negative, but at the same time, you know, kind of celebrating it because I enjoyed it and had fun and it felt like a throwback. JP, I'm not sure you can say the same, can you? In the last two months, I've watched Troll 2 and The Room. <laughs> and this movie had a similar reaction. And I happened to watch those three movies, Damn. Malignant, The Room, and um, Troll 2 with one of the same people. Like, uh, all th- like every movie I saw of those three had a group of people that went. Um, yeah. This time I went with one friend who's seen all of those other ones with me. And then uh, my cousin went this time as well. And we had very similar reactions while watching this movie. Like we could see each other. We were laughing, but not at times where it was intended necessarily. Um, <laughs> we were shocked at a lot of the decisions that were being made. I think a lot of the plot is incoherent and I agree. Um, I will I, I I was not mad at this movie and it's not no. like Slender Man or, um, or uh, Winchester or where dead. the movie is actively bad. Truth or dare. Yeah. Right. Where the movies, I forgot that movie existed until you just said it. Thanks <laughs> Sorry, a lot man. for that. Man. Um, where the movies are actively bad. This it's not that it's actively bad, but it's still more bad than good. And what my, my friend that was with me, I think said it best. Is as far as the story and the script goes, it's like a Frankenstein's monster, and not we're not comparing it to the story of Frankenstein's no. monster. We're saying that this itself feels like a bunch of jumbled pieces stitched together in a way to create a quote unquote movie. And <laughs> there are some like I actually did see the ending coming to a degree. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna say I called it exactly, but I had a pretty good idea of what yeah. we were in for um, from the get go. I think the opening of the movie really establishes the level of crap because it's like this found footage talking to the camera. There's some really cheesy throwaway line. Yeah. Now what Juan does well here is he has a very stylized look in certain scenes that you Mm -hmm. can't deny looks good, but it also is very good. I find plenty of interesting techniques and angles. My favorite thing in the whole movie is an overhead shot of her in the house running from room to room. It has a very Hitchcockian yes. kind of vibe to it. Um, it reminds me of also assassination nation when they did the really cool one take of the outside yeah. of the house. It's not exactly the same, but it has that same vibe and feel. And I really like the innovative stuff like that. Even if you go to game night, which is a comedy, but it has horror mm-hmm. elements in it when they do the miniatures, you know, like they have the shots of like the, the game board pieces almost of the neighborhood and stuff like that. Those are really cool shots. Uh, hereditary does it with the miniatures that she makes and they like merges into the actual shots of the house all i love stuff like that so i'm I'm a sucker for that 
Um, there are scenes though at night where like the fog is like so dense, and there's fog in places that makes no sense, but it still <laughs> looks really, really cool. I won't deny that it looks cool, but at some point, I know this is always going to be subjective. I do have a a certain. I expect things from horror that don't always get delivered. And I understand sometimes that is the movie's not for me. I still see flaws in this one, uh, at least on a storytelling level that really <laughs> aggravate me. Cause I think there's a lot of cool stuff here, but none of it feels completely like focused or fleshed out in a way that makes sense. And maybe again, that's maybe what he's going for. But I, I'm like, I think you could strive for a little more and, I, I I'm I'm kind of okay with the the ratings though. Like 76 rotten is a little high, but I can still see again because I didn't walk out mad. I walked out baffled, mm-hmm. and I walked out you know like I'd been laughing and I was like, oh man, that was bad. But it did feel like bad, like watching the room or bad, like watching Troll Two, where it was a fun experience. I did. There's a a famous scene from Troll Two where the guy goes, oh my god, god. it's been mean. Yeah. And, multiple times while watching malignant i was like insert guy right here insert that guy right here like there were moments in the movie where you it would have benefited from a guy going oh my god (laughs) as the things that were happening on screen just felt ridiculous um i will say i i don't think there was a bad performance um i didn't love Mm -hmm. the guy cop i didn't think he was particularly good i actually really liked the partner um i thought she put in a lot of work to make it interesting um I mean, Annabelle Wallace is asked to do some pretty crazy stuff in this movie. And some of the CGI looks pretty bad, like at times where I'm just like, and a lot of it actually plays into some of my issues I have with the story, which I can't talk about without getting into spoilers. So I won't, but yeah, I, I don't think this is a good movie. I would say it's more of a bad fun to watch movie, but you made a pretty solid comparison because I do enjoy watching all the Friday, the 13th movies. I think the first one is good. And then mm-hmm. I think they progressively get stupid, but I like Jason. Um, yes. I think the first Halloween is a masterpiece. I like Halloween too. I actually love season of the witch, even though I think that's a campy like masterpiece, but that night, and I won't get into details, but we watched another movie that night, which is going to come back into play later in the episode. Um, that I think does camp perfectly. And this movie doesn't feel like it's the campiness is fully intentional to me. And I, I obviously I don't have any inside information or not, but the camp feels like bad writing versus intentionally written camp. Yeah. And that I think is a fine line between a person's take on this film. If you are watching this and like, oh, this is so clearly intentional and clearly this, the bad dialogue and all this is in, uh, intentional it's for setting up a tone or a mood. Um, I didn't feel that way. I do though. You saw pig as well, right? Oh, I did. Yeah. I enjoyed that an awful lot. I think it's interesting that we got two movies this year that talk about the Seattle underground. Like <laughs> yes. I'm not, I don't know if pig pigs in Seattle, right? Or my, uh, is it Oregon? No, Seattle. I'm sure it's Seattle. Yeah, it's, uh, there's like a whole thing with like when he goes to the one restaurant, like they go on underground or whatever in pig. And there's a, a, an element of that here. I had no idea. I'm from the States. No clue about Seattle being built on top of an old city of Seattle. I was just like, hold up. What now? So, I'm very intrigued by that whole premise and I'm kind of curious. So I, I like that again. I don't know that it really played a role in the movie so much, I guess, kind of not really. There, there's a lot in this. There's a lot in this movie. Um, 
and some scenes that are ridiculous, like where they they go out of their way and it's like three seconds and then we're done with that scene. It's like, why did why did this happen? Like this could have been explained in a conversation or a phone call or something way faster mm-hmm. than what I would have imagined the, the cost of having this character travel to this location for three seconds of a shot where literally nothing happens was excess, like did not need to go, which if it's a smaller, again, I think that's part of the problem with one. I think when he had a lot of limitations on him, you were getting a lot better quality work. And now, yes, this is a breakaway from a franchise, but he's still James Wan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he has a green light for probably whatever he wants to make. I think, you know, you see that on like some of it you see on like with the special effects and stuff like, yes, clearly he had some money, but then there's things like that where it just feels like, well, no one told him no. So he did it anyways. And I think that's a problem for some filmmakers. I think they, when they have like, you know, I think we're getting Nolan's probably like one movie away from maybe going too far, you know, that he's been given too many green lights. Maybe it's time to pull back the reins a little on Nolan because Tenet's mm-hmm. pretty out there. Like I like Tenet, but it's pretty out there. And I think Juan has hit that same level of success. I, I do not agree with him being called master of horror. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I, I think there's more bad movies attached to Juan than they are good movies. Um, I am not, I think Aquaman is fine, but I do not think it's great. Um, I did, I did mostly enjoy it, but I also saw, I, I thought it was, you know, there's some stuff in Aquaman. I just thought was bad. I thought it was a little long. Um, I, I do like furious seven. I do question though, if that's a favorite because of Paul Walker's death being attached to that mm-hmm. movie. Um, cause I think the Justin Lin movies are the best of the fast and furious films. Um, um I'm not sure about if any of them are really that good. Ah, I forget. <laughs> your, see, that's this is where we're on. And I do want to point out, though, a year, even two years ago, I actively admitted that horror was not a genre that I found myself drawn yes. to. I have really dove into horror over the last year and a half, and I feel like I'm I'm kind of coming around to appreciating more of it. I do want to reevaluate some things, but. Uh, I saw one guy on Twitter compare this movie to Giallo horror, which apparently is very hard to nail down what that what movies qualify as Giallo. It has elements of it, absolutely, and I uh, and I do believe that it does. Again, a lot of that comes from the Madison character. Giallo is uh, a lot of the tropes of that is you have a a woman female, female who is who's haunted, who's who is tormented by these these visions or these hallucinations or whatever. That is a, a Giallo trope. And again, a lot of the cam- the kind of psychedelic camera work plays into that yes. uh, as well. So there, I, I, I do believe, having seen some like the Ard Argento and films and that, it does lend a debt to them. So, so does Suspiria fall into that? Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought so. Very and much so. That is a movie I'm on record not enjoying either version of it. And I do understand that it is beautiful and all of that, but I, as a movie, I did not enjoy the experience of watching it. And I don't mean like like a horror movie you're not necessarily supposed to enjoy right quote unquote like it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable or or scared or terrified that's not what i mean i mean i generally thought it was bad i was bored or i didn't enjoy like i wasn't compelled by the plot i wasn't scared i didn't find malignant to be particularly scary or uh tense um it did have a few triggering things and there's a lot of gore i guess a lot of the gore looked bad to me though like uh, the blood was clearly cg blood and I, i just looked bad in my opinion again, mm-hmm. but, um, and I'm, I'm, I didn't find any of the gore in this particularly gruesome. I thought it was like interesting. Uh, and there were a couple of shots where it was like, Oh, like the aftermath shots of, of things, um, which I don't feel like that's a spoiler. Cause it's a horror movie. There's going to yeah, be stuff. Gonna be death. Um, and some of the others, like 
some of the some of the non kill related gore I thought was interesting. Don't necessarily think it was good, but interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, there's a whole thing in in a in a jail cell that I thought was one of the dumbest things in this movie. Uh, which again, oh, I can't get it. into details. Uh, more like the the people in the jail cell. I thought like. <laughs> The blatant stereotyping. Yeah, exactly. I knew you were going to say that because, and this is, this is it. It's I I enjoyed this film. I give it a thumbs up. But I have also, like you would have done, and probably the listeners, I've seen it. And I, I'm not going to denigrate or say this is a bad thing. But I've seen a lot of people online saying that this this is a, a classic and a modern classic. It's it's oh. high high rewatchability. It's um it's a return to form for the genre. I think I'm thinking. Well, for me, look, I liked it but I don't think it's any of those things. I mean, as I watched it. I was sucked in by it. I saw it at the cinema. Maybe that helped. Uh, and, you know, I was I was in. You know, I was like, this is, this is great. Had I watched it at home, had if I'd had access to HBO Max or if it came out on Blu-ray, would I have had the same kind of um, experience? Who knows? Brings you back to the theatrical versus streaming argument again. But uh, I don't think it's any of those kind of superlatives. And I don't believe for a second that James Wan is a master of modern horror. Nope. Um, Saw is a good film. I think The Conjuring is a very good film. Yes, uh, Insidious is again is, is a good film, but they're not they're not they, they don't need to be touchstones or milestones as a genre. And of course, they don't. But I don't think that there's anything really about them that sets them apart from you know any other films like an Ari Aster film or, or more recently, yeah, Jordan Peele or um, like an Alex Garland sci-fi horror type thing. I think you know there's I, I enjoyed been, The Nighthouse far more than I enjoyed this movie. I still need to see that, but actually, funny that I I saw people comparing this because you've had Candyman in between, but for yep. kind of more original horror, The Nighthouse is one of the more recent releases, and obviously Malignant as well. And it's been an interesting debate because obviously they're vastly different in terms of tone, atmosphere, and um, execution, but. I you know I, I I totally understand everything you're saying, and I uh, one of my other friends also thinks this was just garbage, um, and has and cannot fathom why anyone likes it. But that's that's the fun of it. And as for the kind of the '80s throwback um, comparison, I'm coining that because I haven't seen anyone say that. So that that's mine. If anyone else says it, they copy it off me. Um, but that, that's kind of how I saw it. Saw it as you know, we you sit down, you watch these films. There's like a slasher element to it. You have fun. You come out of it and don't think, "Oh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight was a masterpiece." But you know, you might come out and think, "Well, wasn't that cool when when Jason did this?" And then you move on and you get on with it. That's kind of how I saw this film. But as an experience watching it, it was I, I enjoyed it, and especially that completely crazy third act, which we'll mention and probably dissect a bit more in in the spoiler episode. But I, I give it a thumbs up, man. I, I say thumbs down, but again, if you are one for uh, movies that are so bad they can be entertaining, <laughs> I did I did say like I can't deny that I found that part of it to be like more enjoyable than again like Slenderman or Winchester. Because I was never tough, bored in this movie. I, I definitely was not bored, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's a positive, yeah. Yeah, it it my companions they said it felt like it was never going to end kind of thing i didn't feel i actually felt like it moved pretty well i i mm-hmm. didn't think it had a pacing issue at all i thought if anything there are some moments where i think it moves like okay slow down like take a second to breathe but uh overall i thought it i i didn't find it that um that was not my complaint at least yeah, well there we go one thumbs down one thumbs up see on the bamp sometimes we do disagree but yep. you know what we do we shake hands and we move on and we uh we're then we'll argue civil. about it again and I don't think Matt's dumb for liking it. And also, I think an important distinction, both of us 
still found things we like and dislike, even though mm-hmm. we're on yes. opposite opinions at the end. Like we, they're still good in this and they're still bad in this from both perspectives. And I think that's a healthy way to view a movie really, you know, no, you're right. I, so, I think I'm dumb for liking it, but I, I'm allowed to say that. So, uh, and I'm also, I'm not mad at people for liking this one. Um, I do. I feel like maybe people need to calm down with some of the, the exaggerations. Like let's yeah. not dub him a master. He's he, really not even criticizing him. He hasn't made that many movies compared no. to like a Wes Craven or, you know, um, John Carpenter. I, oh man, that's a master of horror. Oh, like right yeah. there. So yeah, I mean, yeah, just I, horror, calm down everybody. Horror is always prone to hyperbole. It's either the scariest film of all time or the director is a new visionary or from the mind of, always seems to be attribute, attributed to to horror films but you know i had a, I had a decent time with it whilst acknowledging that it is just a lot of old schlock but i t- again like jb says i totally also understand why people are watching this and just thinking well that that literally was nonsense so we would love to hear what you guys think about it and like i say we'll, we'll dive into it more in our spoiler episode in the next few days but let us know what you think however Right now, we are going to move on to our next segment, which we like to call Chuffed Headlines. Um, in this section, John and myself, we've scoured the pop culture sides of the internet for a headline, movie or pop culture headline that's caught our attention. And we like to fill the other one in on what's going on. So, JB, what have you uh, found this week? So, I found that Marvel has added four more movies to its release slate, going quite a bit in advance. Basically, what we're looking at, folks, is for a while, it was two Marvel movies a year. Yeah. Um, and then we slowly saw it start to increase. But now we're looking at every year for the next four years, uh, including this year, at least four movies. So we have four movies this Damn. year with two more to go. We got Eternals and technically Spider-Man No Way Home, which is a Sony Marvel collaboration. Next year, we get Doctor Strange, Thor, Black Panther 2, The Marvels, uh, directed by um, Nia DaCosta. 2023, it looks like we're getting five movies, which two we only we know about with Ant-Man, Quantanium, Quantumanium, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, but then three unofficial uh, releases. We don't have titles yet. Uh, the uh, The last Marvel trailer that we got it alluded to a Fantastic Four movie. Um, there was a clear four, but it did not say for sure. But we know that it's coming. We know that we're getting a Mahershala Ali Blade, um, and I think there's a couple other ones that maybe we know are probable but we haven't heard official but so there's five movies in 2023 three of which we don't have titles for and then now four movies scheduled for 2024 february may july and november man and that's not counting all the shows that we know we're getting right like we know we're getting shows um because we're still getting hawkeye which trailer dropped this week and yeah i'd like to hear your thoughts on that in a minute i just watched it earlier i think it's i think now's relevant because that's all i got i mean that's one before <laughs> I answer the um, how how do you feel about all these Marvel movies coming? Oh man, I I don't know. I I, I hear you hear that horrible um, tagline of fatigue. I put franchise fatigue. Four Marvel films a year plus the the shows, which you're going to assume is going to be at least two shows a year at the very least. Um, I don't know, man. That's one every three months. At what point do at what point do you generally do start to think, man, I've got to try and keep up with all this. And uh, we've said before, it comes a time where, you know, people have to pick and choose what films yeah. they see. Cause there is just, just in general, there's more films coming out now than ever before. Theatrically, they're never going to release 
well, they ha- actually, what am I talking about? They're not going to release. I was about to say they never released an MCU film on Disney Plus. They did. Um, yeah, they're not. They're not going to make a habit. I don't think of releasing their tentpole films on Disney Plus. Yeah, they've already crazy. said uh, Eternal Eternals will not drop on Disney yes, Plus. So. Exactly. So I, I'd if for fans, it's great because if this was Star Wars and you told me you're getting three films here, whatever for, I'd be, I'd be in. However, I would, in, in all honesty, I would then start to think, you know, how much is how much is too much? You know what. I, I believe in Kevin Feige and I believe so that the stories will be there, but yeah. I don't know. It, it, I mean, it, I, it is what it is. It's fine. Nice. I agree. And yet um, the difference I think between star Wars and Marvel is for what we've gotten so far from star Wars, it has been always centered around one story, right? It's always yep. around Skywalker, the Skywalker. Skywalker where this, well, I'm sure we're going to get at least one or two of those movies are going to be the, the Avengers esque team up movie where we get most of them are standalone films, Mm-hmm. So, th- like, if we d- disconnect them from the Marvel Universe, if we think of them as standalone movies, it doesn't feel quite as overwhelming because you wouldn't have to see all of them. No, the fact that you point. know there will be a team-up movie makes you feel an obligation to see all of them. Mm-hmm. And that that's rough, especially because we were also told by Feige that the shows are also c- canonical and you have to see both. Well, that's look, a Sam lot is, to keep Sam up with. Sam is now Captain America, and if you if you missed out on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, oh, yeah. you might think, well, hold on, I, I, what's going on here? That, that was a Which, quick transition. I assume one of those movies that we don't have a title for is the Captain America 4 movie with Sam as Captain America, which we've we were told he's doing. Anthony Mackie um, isn't, I mean, isn't yeah. Chris Evans either. Well, I was just going to throw that out. Right. I think you're right. Shang-Chi, I mentioned last week, felt dis- disconnected almost from the MCU because it didn't feel like... There were there were references and hints, obviously one character yes. in particular, but I, I watched that and felt like it was almost like a standalone comic book yep. film so uh, i think you're right if they can go in with that approach like it, uh, these films do just feel like individual character pieces and they have no genre, issue with that then. genre fatigue is also a thing though right like we watched westerns become so ubiquitous in the 50s that yeah. it, it, they started to fade and then there was the resurgence with the spaghetti westerns in the 60s and 70s slashes themselves as well. complete drops right like in the 80s westerns were dead like you did not do westerns and still to this day westerns are a rare treat when we get Niche, one and most yeah. of the time they're bad um you've got the slashes then, yeah. of the 80s which gave yep. way to you know really watered down crappy versions in the early 90s and screenboarded back but even then the that parody. was a satire a parody of yes. that um which then also sadly spawned a lot more sort of trash um yeah slashes so you're right it's just, you can have too much of some one thing where it becomes diluted but so well, far we're, three, five films in they haven't done that we're getting some satire with with superhero genre with the boys and invincible where it's taking oh, the, the genre and flipping it on its head um even brightburn which i didn't enjoy but it does it it parodies yeah. the idea of the genre it takes what chance. you expect and flips you on your head so we're already seeing the parody happen. And there was even the really bad superhero movie. When they did the like the epic movie, date movie, there was Ugh. a superhero movie parody, which yeah, was real trash. Like Kick-Ass or Kick-Ass for us guys as well. So yeah, had superhero-esque films, and there are other ones yeah. as well. So I guess, James but- Gunn's Super, which is a really underseen movie with Dwight Wilson. Uh, D- sorry, Rain Wilson, Dwight. <laughs> yeah. from the office. Dwight, come on. Um, and now Elliot Page uh, was the co-star in that. Um, yeah, I really yeah. liked that movie, but super dark, very James Gunn-esque uh you know, but pre pre guardians, James Gunn S so very dark and, and satirical, but um, yeah, I mean it, it exists, but I, I like the genre. Um, speaking of Hawkeye trailer, which is, I think now is a good thing. 
I I am a big Haley Steinfeld fan. I've yep. been uh, everything she's done basically that I've seen. I've enjoyed. I think she's terrific. She's um, she really actor. seems like she has fun doing this stuff still. Like to me in the trailer, she's she's just having a good time, and I like seeing someone who appears to enjoy what they're doing as opposed to like Miranda. Okay, I like Jeremy Renner. I, I <laughs> a, a lot of people seem to dislike him. I think I like he's cool him. as Hawkeye. I think he's, I, I think he's fine, but I think in yeah. the trailer, like, there's their their chemistry seems solid to me. Um, it's very similar to his uh, interactions with um Pietro and Wanda in um Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. which I like that little dynamic. Some of my favorite one liners are Hawkeye in that movie. Um, so. I, you know, I'm I'm kind of in on this. Obviously, Batman's one of my favorite heroes. Batman has no power, so I'm I'm kind of all in on the the heroes with no powers, anyways, uh, who are just really good at something. And Hawkeye's really good at something, so I, I'm I'm intrigued for the show. I also my big thing is I want to see. Uh, I'm expecting Florence Pugh's character from Black Widow um, to be at least mentioned because of the end credits of Black Widow. No spoilers, but there's a reference to Hawkeye, and then. Um, I'm curious what, who the bad guys are going to be in this because you know it, he's it looks like this is a passing the torch show, like like uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. Or, I'm sorry, Falcon Winter Soldier was, which it is called now is it, Captain Winter Soldier. Um, I, that's what this show appears to be. This will be Renner's exiting, I assume, um, and Haley Steinfeld maybe stepping into a role, maybe being in a movie or just continuing in a series. I'm I'm up for that. And so far, I know you can't do this because you still haven't watched Loki. Um, <laughs> the Marvel shows have been mostly really good. So I'm, I'm on board for Hawkeye. Um, I, I'm seeing more people now on online getting the speaking of fatigue. They're kind of saying, you know, we've, it's funny. We mentioned the four films, but with the addition of the TV shows, I've seen a few people who have called themselves on my Twitter, who have called themselves you know, MPU MCU fan boys, who are starting to get a little bit washed out by the fact that they've got, all these films plus the plus the shows do link yeah. fairly intrinsically that there is quite a lot and like you say i haven't seen loki and you know i haven't seen what if yet and i know that's not necessarily canonical but with the multiverse who knows um even then i feel like damn i've, I've missed one i've got to catch up on that before i can watch but um i saw this trailer and uh, it's going to be set at christmas they've got a very big holiday vibe to it um but i also think that was detrimental to the trailer i thought the choice of music was very good um, love the song, but I didn't like it playing over the um, the action. And I, I, I thought Haley Steinfeld looked good. The character looked good. I think she um, came across well. Like you said, she's got kind of like this free flowing energy. She's got a bounce and a vibe to her performance. Yeah. And oh yeah, Jeremy Renner, his, Haw- his Hawkeye Clint is you know, he is brooding. That that is his character. That's always been him. So there there is going to be that dichotomy between them of the um, the dynamics, but. I don't know. Oh God, I've said this about every single one, but I'm not particularly enthused by a Hawkeye series. What got me interested was Haley Steinfeld was in it and Florence Pugh was returning as Yelena. Those two superbly talented actresses in in the same show sold. I mean, yeah. having seen um, Yelena Belova in Black Widow, I thought she was fan- fantastic in that uh, Florence Pugh. Uh-huh. So that gets me excited. Um, we're going to see a we're going to see a Steve Rogers Broadway show as well. So there, there, there's that. Um, that seems to be the hype from the trailer. Right? I like, know everyone's talking about that, and you know that they're going to do it. There's going to be like they did with um, Baron. I can't think of his name now from um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They're going to have they're going to release yeah. like, when, when he was dancing. They're going to release like a five minute 
um, song and dance of this from this Captain America show, and we're all going to lap it up. But I don't know. This this didn't really grab, grab my attention too much. It hasn't really made me think. I really, really need to see that. The most what I did enjoy was the the holiday visuals, but I just didn't like the choice of song playing over the top of it. But I'm very, very open to being proved wrong again about these shows. Yeah, see what happens. Um, what was your headline for the week, bud? Uh, mine seems to be oh man. I, I'm getting bored of mentioning this damn film, but it's coming. It's coming <laughs> out in a few weeks' time. But it seems to be you know it's. It, you know, other than like James Bond, it's arguably the biggest release to come out in the next three months. Um, and it's Dune. But this is now, this is actually playing into something we've mentioned on the show, which is why I bring it up again. I do apologize for bringing up Dune again. We've mentioned the fact that we don't really think it's going to, it's going to do gangbusters at the box office. We think it's going to be a, a 2049 situation. Loved across the board pretty much, but doesn't make the money. Um, mm. And, Warner Brothers have come out. Oh, sorry. According to Warner Brothers insiders, um, any kind of sequel to Dune, because this is this is part one. It's always been marketed as part one. The Dune part two. They're only going to greenlight it if this upcoming part one does well on HBO Max. So I think Warner Brothers have kind of conceded that. Okay, we know it's maybe not going to blow the doors off at the box office, but what we do want to see is big numbers on HBO Max. Which I read that and. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, big man. I was, I was taken aback by that because um, I mean, recently we've seen uh, is it Paramount have said that, you know they're going to cut back on making original films because they want to focus more on bringing old films back and remaking them in their streaming service. And now Warner Brothers, who I mean, look, HBO Max is already a fabulous service, even if we haven't got it. But they're saying that mm. you know they're not going to sign off on a sequel unless it does big numbers on HBO Max. So. You know, is that uh, and Denis Villeneuve is you know he, as far as he's concerned, he's getting that sequel, but uh, and he's also so, telling people you got to go and watch it in a theatre. Don't watch it on streaming. So we've got the director saying, don't watch it at home. You've got to see it in on the biggest screen possible. Fine, we've we've spoken about that. But now we've also got Warner Brothers apparently saying that's fine, Denis, but we wanted to do big numbers on HBO so Max. I I interpret that as not saying it can't have a big box office. You know, like I don't think they're going to ignore if it does really well at the box office. I think they're acknowledging that box office will inherently be smaller because it's on HBO Max, but they're not only looking at box office. That's what I'm hoping they mean. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the intelligent response. Um I hope. It's, I obviously it's don't know. Man. Their director's saying go to the cinema and this and HB and Warner brothers, the, the money makers are saying, well, yeah, I fine do that, but we really want to see big numbers for our streaming service. So, but you know, I, there's they, loggerheads there. They definitely make more money off of box office than they make off HBO oh, though, of course, because yeah. it's new because, subscribers they need. Right. And also though, like HBO max, I pay $15 a month. I don't just get Dune. I get everything. Yeah. And that's, Lucky that's man. a lot of content for that fifteen dollars that they're not and some of it they own um in that like like their old movies they have that they can just rotate in and out sure but dune is new and they have not recouped the money from it yet so they definitely want the box office um and there's not no streaming amount is going to recoup the, the cost of that movie which is where a lot of people are concerned about both Netflix's model, because Netflix is throwing a lot of money at the movies they're making, yes. but there's no way they're recouping that. And then not not in terms of their collective like existence, 
um, Apple's going for like an A24 of streaming services where they're doing very selective product, but stuff that others... I am too. I'm like, oh, cool. That's cool that you're being so selective. Honestly, that's in Apple's original kind of model that they were yes. like the standout different. They went it's so mainstream true. for a while. Right. And But now it seems like they're, they're kind of re-embracing that. That's cool. I hope that's they mean that we're going to look at both sides. So if the box office is bad, that does not mean they won't get a sequel if people are watching it on HBO Max. Which is what they should do, right? Because, like, I think if Disney were to look at Black Widow and compare it to Shang Chi, where those models are different, right? Like Shang Chi was only in theaters, yeah. Black Widow was same day both. If they were just to say, "Well, look, Black Widow didn't perform at the box office," it's like, yeah, but how did it do on streaming sales? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you, you didn't do that to Shang Chi. Shang Chi, we mentioned last week. Shang Chi yeah. wasn't a a recognizable character like Natasha Romanoff was, and it wasn't the culmination of uh, this that particular character's journey. Uh, you know, Shang-Chi blew the doors away as a new and, exciting character. And the elements of that movie that look like Crouching Tiger or Hero mm-hmm. don't traditionally play well in American audiences in terms of box office. They You're do true. well artistically, but they're not, you know, the big draws. So the fact that it still brought people in, it speaks volumes that, again, speaks, I don't know that Black Widow would have been as good box office as Shang-Chi because Shang-Chi is new people have opinions of Black Widow already some people don't like that character some people find characters with no powers not interesting there's a lot of factors that you could play into it but I I still think it would have done better if it wasn't also same day streaming undoubtedly and I hope that Warner Brothers is taking that into consideration and if they are cool it's it's I think that's a reasonable thing to do is that you should look at both because it's on both so how did it do in both you know like Mortal Kombat, they're supposed to be doing all sorts of other stuff with because it did really well that, on yeah. streaming. So, okay, cool. If that's what we're wanting. I, I honestly, I know a lot of filmmakers are mad at Warner Brothers, and I do agree for the most part with Villeneuve and Nolan that most movies like Dune or like Tenet are built to be on a big screen. Not all movies need that treatment. And while course, I prefer yeah. going to the big screen, I totally understand if people want to watch it in a comfortable situation. And again, more and more people have pretty nice home theater setups. Uh, not everybody, but people who care about movies often have a pretty nice TV or a pretty nice projection screen. You probably have surround sound now. Like a lot of it you can get at affordable pricing. And some of us get when we shouldn't because we have credit cards. You know, like... <laughs> you naughty man. Um, I, I mean, yeah, you know, but <laughs> we do yeah. our thing. Um, you're, yeah, you're but that, right. that's it. But I mean, Warner Bros. haven't covered themselves in glory this year. Denis Villeneuve has already said that you know there's you know he's already accused him of having no love for cinema or the audience, and he's also made it very clear that he wanted to shoot Dune Part One and Two back to back, but the studio said nope. So they haven't. By the sounds of it, they haven't. I mean, we've we've um, been we've given our thoughts on Villeneuve's comments about streaming and theatre, and I'm not going to go into that again. But on the other flip side, Warner Brothers haven't really been that supportive either, really. I mean, it's something like this, you know, you'd think that shooting it back to back could potentially be a money, a money saver for one. Um, and especially if it's got, you've got the HBO max to fall back on. I just don't see why they wouldn't do that. If, but you know, yeah. maybe, maybe they are pushing their streaming service more. So, and I, again, I realistically, practically speaking, I understand that as well. There's a huge investment in that and it's not, I don't think it's wrong to say that streaming is the future for a lot of things. It's certainly been the future for TV. It's revolutionized 
quote unquote TV series are now streaming series. People don't really talk about television series as much. Certainly in my neck of the woods, it's more the streaming series. I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where streaming films overtake theatrical releases, but you know, I, I don't blame Warner brothers for protecting their investment and um, trying to push their streaming service. I don't think there are also on the, my final point is, and I think you'll probably agree is I don't think we have to worry though. I think we're going to get a Dune sequel either way. It's going to do well either on HBO max or at the box office or hopefully both. Right now, before we're done with our headline segment, I got a very sad headline popped up while we were recording. Um, I'm a big fan of the, uh, comedian Norm Macdonald. Um, yeah, he, uh, he has died. Oh no. Um, at age 61 to, I guess he's been battling cancer. Um, he was on very iconic Saturday night live weekend update host. One of my favorites of, of history. Uh, my favorite portrayal that he did on SNL was probably when he was Burt Reynolds on the celebrity <laughs> jeopardy bits. Always cracked me up. Big hat. Um, yeah, big hat. Um, and then he did a movie called dirty work that a lot of people didn't see, but I always really, really found super funny. It has, um, yeah, it, it is. A, uh, but I, I enjoyed that movie. I watched it probably far too many times. Um, <laughs> Chris Farley. I, I like him in it. Yeah, Chris Farley has a small That's part it, yeah. where he's a guy who had his nose bitten off by a Saigon whore, I believe is the expression, uh, <laughs> from the movie. That is a quote, not my opinion of the character. Um, but yeah, just sad uh, whenever a celebrity that we, we look up to has passed away. Um, especially 61 is quite young. Um, I'm turning 40 in a year, so 61 is far too close uh, for my liking. Um, but, you know, may he rest in peace. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, very sad news. So thoughts to the family and friends there of Norm MacDonald. Um, so with that, let's uh, let's move on then to our to our next segment. And it's simply titled Media Consumption, where John and myself, we um, we allay the world with the movies, TVs, series, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't ours, books, comic books, whatever it might be, anything that we've used to pass the time since the last episode. And I always say it because I always mean it. JB's always got a fabulous <laughs> selection of, um, of diverse films. Uh, so what have you been watching and listening to, man? So I've, I've gone real into stuff, man, but uh, blank check. Um, they're continuing with the John Carpenter series. So they just did their episode on the thing. Really great episode. Uh, definitely worth checking out. And then I, I am a Patreon member of blank check because I am obsessed with that podcast. So uh, the bonus episode for someone's watching me, which is a John Carpenter TV movie that now I have to yes. watch um, because it's apparently like a rehash of rear window, uh, which I am a big, big, big fan of rear yeah. window. Um, so I really want to see this now. So I'm going to end up either renting or buying it. It's like 10 bucks to buy and it's like three bucks to rent, but it's, um, it's only in like 480p like it's a really bad transfer but it's like the only way to see it so i'm going to end up still buying it because i really want to watch it because i was like it sounds really interesting um and i am i am man i love john carpenter like i i I, his later stuff i have not seen many of but and i i kind of hear it drops off pretty hard after like the 90s like the movies start to really lose their quality um i've heard that like the last thing we did was called the ward i think which you know wasn't received all that well and I have not seen most of the nineties and uh, 2000 Carpenter mm-hmm. stuff yet. I will be watching it as we go, but his man from, from assault on precinct 13 and honestly, even dark star uh, as much of a student film as it is, you <laughs> see like a lot of his style going into it um, up until uh, for sure, at least big trouble, little China are just masterful. Like I love almost every movie that he's attached to his um, run through the eighties, late seventies, late seventies to almost like the late eighties, early nineties was yeah. 
dare I say, almost unparalleled because, yeah. you know, the quality of those films. And they're hit or miss in the box office, but almost yeah. all of them have become big cult followed films. Like they live obviously is a uh, satirical movie. Not, it's not going to work for everybody, but to me, John Carpenter gets camp when he does camp and he definitely gets horror when he does horror. Um, with that, uh, I watched Christine, which I, th- yes. I, I definitely watched as a kid, but I've never watched as an adult. And my brain was definitely only remembering little fragments of it. I had a blast watching Christine. I thought it was super fun. Um, I love that he makes a slasher like villain a car. Like, what if what if slasher <laughs> was a car? Because there's so many scenes in the movie where it's like, man, this is so much like Halloween. It's fantastic. Um, and then uh, after we saw Malignant, my my friend and my cousin, we we went and got lunch. They came back over to my place. We t- we talked for like three or four hours. We got some frozen pizzas, and then we watched. They had never seen Big Trouble in Little China, Man. which is a favorite of mine. So I got to Man. introduce them. Come um, again. Um, and Carpenter again, and like after watching Malignant, which we had heard was campy, then you get to hear <laughs> basically Kurt Russell doing his John Wayne, which I never really picked up on, but his cadence in that movie, especially when he's on the CB radio, has such a John Wayne vibe. I was just like, oh man, he's clearly doing like a Wayne kind of, because uh, like, it is a satire on like the modern American action hero. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, and it's so great. Uh, and they had a blast watching that. And it was so fun to introduce that movie to two people who'd heard of it, but never saw it. Um, after watching Shang- uh, Shang-Chi, I've been wanting to watch more of the, like the Crashing Tiger style Kung Fu movies. Yep. Um, so I watched Hero for the first time, uh, which was so great. Um, I, I didn't know that it had a Rashomon vibe as far as the storytelling goes, that we have two guys sitting in a room telling different versions of the same story that we get to see in these amazingly visualized like one time it's all red and then the next time it's all green to help you kind of distinguish which version of the story you're hearing it's so great and also stars uh tony leung um from i think it's tony leung um, from from, uh, shang chi so it was another reason for me to like zero in on that movie that dude is such a great actor like insanely great how uh, much emotion he conveys uh, asian cinemas he's called one of their greatest actors yeah just i'm so excited um I finally got the Stepford Wives, so I have now completed the uh, suggested movies of the 70s from Alex Ross Perry, uh, the original Stepford Wives. I, I really liked that movie a lot. I thought it was really good. My transfer is not the best, because uh, again, it's hard to get a hold of. It's I, I don't know if there's some kind of licensing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a DVD copy. The DVD does not have any captions, which uh, was real tough, because some of the audio was like really quiet in some parts, and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. And it's all dialogue. Like, I really can't hear you. I wish I could turn captions on. Nope, not an option. So that was upsetting. Not the movie's fault. That's just whoever released the disc. It's, it's a shame that it's the, that version of it. Um, I did watch the new film, Kate, which is a Netflix original. I've been uh, meaning to watch that, but I'm also slightly worried because of what's <laughs> a synopsis. It's, it's, it's another kind of wannabe John Wick movie, but it's mm-hmm. Kate, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who I always like, and she's yeah. really good in this. Um, if you like her, I think she's at the level you're used to her being. Uh, some of the the action is extremely violent. I was just like, holy cow, that was like super brutal. Um, it's fine. It's I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's, it's not like you must watch it right now kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it's definitely, if you like a John Wick kind of violent action movie, is nowhere near as good as John Wick and the world building definitely doesn't hold up. Um, it's also got, there's like a crank vibe to it. Yeah. yeah. Oh. There's like a ticking clock kind of a, you know, like 
she's going to die. She knows she's going to die. That's not a spoiler. That happens in the first, that's the setup of the movie is that yeah, yeah. she's poisoned and she goes on a that's right. revenge, revenge mission, spree yeah. um, before she dies. So there's like, you know, there's some of that kind of thing in it. It's, it's fine. Um, I, I found it very watchable. It's a little long, I think not actually, but it feels a little long. Like it maybe five, maybe one scene less and it would be fine. Um, for Movie Club this week, we, we are covering Mother, the Bong Joon-ho film from 2009. Yes. So not the Darren Aronofsky Mother or any of the other movies that are called Mother. There's like four <laughs> other ones. There's no exclamation um, mark in this one. Dude, this movie, I watched it right before going to see Malignant. And this was the type of movie that when you watch it, you remember why you love movies so much. Like it was that, like, this is what cinema can be. Like I was from the opening sequence, which is so random and doesn't make sense when you first see it, but makes total sense later in the movie. It's so masterful. I love Bong Joon-ho. Like, everything I've seen of his has just worked for me on, like, every level. This movie's weird. It will make you feel uncomfortable at times, but it definitely wants you to feel that way. It's it's such a compelling movie. There's a really cool kind of flip on him. There's a scene where, like, you think you're supposed to feel one way, and then you realize halfway through that you should still feel that way, but it for different reasons than you thought. It's just, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um can't wait to talk to Corey about it. I hope she liked it as much as I did. And then Matt, Ooh. I told you I, com- I completed my uh, Alex Ross Perry list. I've watched all the horror movies he recommended on his episode of the podcast, which was the uh, um, Halloween episode. He recommended all these horror movies that like you really needed to understand the context. I've, I've completed that list. 15 movies, knocked it out in less than a month. But I, at the beginning of this year, had goals to complete other lists. I, I've completed the Martin Scorsese list. I've watched all of his films. Um, but I have, uh, been working at the AFI top 100 list for a couple of years now. You have. Damn. I remember I you talking hit, about this on old BAMP episodes. Yeah. I've hit 80 movies out of 100. Like, so big milestone. I've got 20 movies left. Uh, some of them are very challenging cause they're really long. Like, uh, Ben Hur intolerance, which I don't even want to watch as it is, but it's like three and a half hours long, I think for intolerance. Um, there are several silent films, which I, I will admit as much as I don't want to be that guy, silent films don't appeal to me mm-hmm. um, because they inherently require you to tr- like give it a hundred percent of your attention because you can't just listen to the dialogue. So <laughs> you really have to watch it. And that's not always easy. Although a lot of them are less than 70 minutes, right? Like that's the other conceit of a many silent films are a lot shorter than our traditional films. But so I've got 20 left, but I've watched two big ones this week, both Altman films, I watched MASH for the first time, something we, we I couldn't get when we covered 1970 on no, astrology. I did finally get a hold of it. Um, I really liked a lot of it. I didn't like the whole football sequence of that movie. I, it, it comes out of nowhere. I'm like, why are we playing football? What's happening? I'm sure it's commentary that I'm not getting because of the time period. Um, there's a, li- a few other scenes where I don't know if I fully get the commentary. Um Obviously, there's there's some problematic stuff with like the treatment of women, and I, even there's a reference to a, ca- a character thinks he might be gay, and like the reaction to it. it's not mm-hmm. it's not as bad as it could be, but it's also like it's still problematic. It's seventies problematic, but um, there's some interesting stuff still there to dissect from that. And I, I am I'm a huge Donald Sutherland fan. I think I, the more I see of him, especially in the seventies, I just think the dude's masterful all the time. Um, but then I watched Nashville which is also a long one. It was a three hour uh, or two hour, 40 minutes. So just under three hours. Um, Dude, I was like an hour in, I was like feeling really like, Oh my God, how is this movie? Like five stars. I'm so bored. Oh, you hate that. But then when it was over, I was like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen ever. And I don't understand what, 
like how it did that because I was wow. so not invested. Okay. And then by the end, I was like, "This is insane!" Like, there's there are 24 main characters in Nashville. Like, it's not there's 24 characters. No, 24 people's stories are being told like freaking Endgame, and there didn't require 22 movies of prequel to get them. Like, it's it's <laughs> nuts when you say it like that, right? Like, we Bob all have, oh, gets it. Endgame worked because we had seen 22 movies to get to Endgame or uh, Infinity War, whichever. They both work the same way. This movie has 24 characters who you are meeting for the first time that they're like, it, it re- in some ways slackers. Now I will say reminds me of it, but I saw slackers first and slackers has these like characters that are barely connected together and summertime from this past year, which I saw uh, as a musical that also has these characters where you kind of weave them in and out. Nashville definitely does that first to my now viewing. I, I don't know if there's something that came before. So the, just the structure alone is really compelling, but man, there's, uh, I don't like country music. Like, like sometimes there's an, an exception, but mostly I'm not a big fan of country music. So the movie had that against it. It still pulled me in, still made me appreciate it. I, man, I, I'm, uh, I don't get all the commentary again. There's definitely stuff being like, uh, opinions and satire being, uh, put forward that I don't know I fully grasp, but I would definitely, I was still like captivated by what the movie did. And so by the end I was really into it. And I like, I think the first hour I was on my phone a little bit and I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to really make it through all of this tonight. Maybe I'll watch it in parts. But then by the end, my phone was sitting down and I was watching every minute, just like, wow, I am so into this all of a sudden. Like, I don't know what what changed, but it feels like it's the movie. I think the movie kind of slowly brings you into it and then the last hour and a half went by so fast i i couldn't believe that i finished the whole movie so yeah if you haven't seen nashville uh it's it's on the top 100 on afi but it's also um an altman film that many people cite as their favorite ehrlich gave it five stars it's on criterion i mean it's it's got a reputation obviously way before myself uh, in my opinion but it, it definitely worked for me man i've i was just looking at looking it up uh now considered uh, Robert Altman's magnum opus and one of the greatest films of all time. Um, and it's yeah. totally slipped my rate. I mean, I've heard of it, but it isn't never in those kind of glowing terms. And now having a quick Google, damn, <laughs> it's, it's very highly regarded. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll slip it on the old, uh, Blu-ray player at some point soon. Is it on streaming? No, it's, I can watch it on YouTube for two pounds. Um, yeah, I bought, I bought it on voodoo, uh, which is where I buy a lot of my digital content, but, yeah. Well, I was looking at um, Mother, the Bong Joon Ho film. That's on that's on Amazon Prime over here. Just to so I, I have Prime, so I shall I should probably get onto that. As I said to you by uh, WhatsApp, one of the only Bong Joon Ho films I haven't actually seen is Mother. Yeah. And to hear you speak about it like that is, you know, if, if it's recommended, I mean, um, yeah. Whilst you were talking, I was just looking at the run of Carpenter films I mentioned. Assault on Precinct 13, Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Christine, Starman, Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, and They Live. I mean, that's a hell of a run. And the only one on that list I have not seen is Prince of Darkness, which I will be watching uh, before the podcast episode drops for uh, Blank Check. So I, I do have access to it. It's just one. And then and then I think after They Live is Memoirs of an Invisible Man, and I think that's when his quality starts to yeah, take a little bit Yeah, I wasn't as keen on that one. In the Mouth of Madness came after that, and I did like that one. And then I haven't seen of, that one yet either. You know, it, it flip-flops from there onwards. But um, yeah, so that's a head of a run. I think a lot of yeah, uh, it is. directors would be like to get that kind of acclaim in that matter. It's, again, like I say, maybe not box office, but 
um, cr- commercially, sorry, critically now and cult following. But, um, John always trumps me when it comes to um, what he watches. He's always got a diverse range. But um, I've, I've been watching a few things again. It's been it's been busy here at Shea Hud again this week for for COVID related reasons. Not me or my nipper, but homeschooling and working from home has taken its toll. But I've been able to watch a few things. I, I listened to the Nightmare on Film Street podcast where they just discussed Blood Diner from 1987, uh, which is a film which I thought was fine. So it was interesting to hear about people who thought maybe it was a bit, bit bored thought of it in a more positive light sorry than i did but i always enjoy listening to what the guys and girls over there have to say uh another film on something street i watched i signed back up to shudder this week because why wouldn't i horror shudder it's my kind of thing Uh, so i signed up to that and i was browsing through it and this film came out vanishing on seventh street oh what's that about uh something you know mysteriously overnight everyone in detroit just disappears apart from a few people okay it's a mystery thriller i'm all up for that i turn it on anakin skywalker's in it okay maybe i'll find it see how this goes uh thandy newton's in it as well okay um this is going okay fine i don't i don't regardless of the the hate i don't think aiden chris is that bad of an actor um in the right role thandy newton i really like her and this and john john leguizamo is in it as well it's it was okay you know it's you know it's it's a low budget horror which plays on that quite a lot to build it's more about atmosphere than anything else and it's got a solid story it's you know pretty well acted i actually think Fandy newton is the weakest link of the film oh wow um, and when you say that that's never usually a good thing but i do i do i just think she may be phoning it in somewhat but the film was fine i wouldn't i wouldn't ever sort of say right you've you've all got to rush out and see this if you really like low budget atmospheric horror that swings a few times in you know, check it out, Vanishing on 7th Street. I don't know if I mentioned this on one of the previous episodes, but um, I, I couldn't remember. But I also endured He's All That on Netflix. I can't oh, remember man. if I mentioned it on the last week's one. I don't believe I did. But in short, it's awful. <laughs> it's it's really bad. Addison Ray, the world-renowned uh, Academy Award-nominated actress. Wait. Uh, no, sorry, the TikToker. Addison Ray stars in this alongside... Um, that guy from the show I can't remember. Uh, uh, Cobra Kai is in. Uh, it's but it, it's she's all that, but gender reversed. Um, yes, Addison Ray has to try and get this guy, you know, get the loser kid and shape him up to be the prom king. Doesn't really work when the loser kid is clearly a good-looking guy in the first place. But it is just dreadful. I thought it was going to be a satirical commentary on influences and the tiktok generation because it started off that way actually you know there was a bit after after the intro i was like okay hold on maybe they're going somewhere with this maybe this is going to be cleverer than i thought but no it devolves into into a rom-com but the worst kind of rom-com and i know that might not be good to your ears because all rom-coms are good but it's (laughs) it's just feels vacuous and shallow oh yeah it's just it's it's crap basically but it but you know netflix are going for that tiktok generation by the sounds of it, it if you like the kissing booth and that kind of um dirge, you're gonna you're gonna really quite enjoy he's all that but it, it wasn't for me i still preferred it to demonic though i'd happily watch that again over demonic um i rewatched ghostbusters the original and best of course because i've just done an episode about that for for the back row Speaking about Ghostbusters, and of course we've got Afterlife coming out in two months now, which we're both very excited yep. for, JB and myself. But yes, how can you? Know, every time I, I could watch Ghostbusters weekly as I do The Exorcist, 
and still enjoy. And I still find new things about Ghostbusters, which I, I never noticed. Like, for example, this time when, uh, Ray, Peter and Egon are in the elevator, um, at the, at the hotel, going to go and get Slimer. And then you got the big no smoking sign and, uh, Ray's like switch me on. And Peter's like, you've got like an unlicensed nuclear accelerator in the back. And have we tested this? No. Uh, and, you know, and Egon, Egon fires up Ray. And as soon as he does it, Venkman and Egon both just start backing away really slowly. I never noticed that, but it made me howl of laughter yesterday. Um, there was a couple of other things I hadn't noticed, but Ghostbusters is one of the best films of them all. So, um, always happy to revisit that. And, um, I ventured out to watch, uh, Annette as well, which I believe is streaming for my friend's stateside, but over here it is theatrical at the minute and it is coming out on Amazon Prime. Um, in the next few weeks, but it's a Leos Carax film. It's his first English language feature and it stars Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard and Simon Helberg amongst others. Um, and it's really quite weird. <laughs> it, it, it seems to be fairly dis- divisive. Um, 70% RT Empire gave it five. I've seen other people not give it five. It, basically, Adam Driver is, I'm kind of butchering the synopsis. Adam Driver is a, stand-up comedian he's a very kind of he's like a shock comedian he doesn't really have an act he just abuses people um so and he's kind of like he's this controversial comedian stand-up and he falls in love with Anne. that's the synopsis Anne is played by marion costliard and she is an up-and-coming opera star so you've got a you know it's like a class divide almost type thing going on and you know they it tells their story and when they bring a child into the world and but it's done in literally in the form of music there is no spoken word in this film apart from adam driver's stand-up it is all music um and i loved everyone sorry that's an exaggeration i liked everything about this film apart from the film itself it the adam driver is unreal in this adam driver is such a powerful presence we know he's a good actor but he is such a presence it's unbelievable in this film um marion cotillard is She's kind of doesn't really get much to do, which is a shame when you've got someone of her talent ignoring the Dark Knight Rises. Given she does not give her anything really to work with, seems criminal almost. Simon Helberg's good. Uh, visually, it looks very good. the The opening song is really good, and it's a long. I know you'll appreciate it's a one long tracking shot following them from inside somewhere, walking across the street and out there. Really, really technically good. And the whole film was technically excellent. There's some on fabulous puppetry as well on show, but I just wasn't taken by the characters. The songs, the songs were written by the Sparks brothers and performed as well for the most part, but Oh, that was why I knew about the movie. I could not remember why. (laughs) I thought that would be why, because because I didn't realize it till afterwards. I I, I thought I recognized them in the, in the beginning in this recording studio, but maybe a quick look. Oh, it is him. The songs are fine, but I just found that they didn't really resonate with what was happening on screen. They weren't, the lyrics weren't particularly memorable or kind of affecting. I think the word is or powerful, you know, they were just good songs, but they didn't really make me think, or I wasn't swayed or captivated by the words in the songs. So that was a bit disappointing, but, uh, so it, it, it's a technically and visually wonderful for and superbly acted by Adam driver, but I don't know. It felt very shallow, very hollow, for me and it just didn't and it really upsets me because i really 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 wanted to like this film and it seems like the kind of film i would really quite enjoy but 
can only be honest and say it didn't really work for me. I think I knocked it straight down the middle with a five out of ten, but maybe I can't remember five or five and a half out of ten. Straight, you know, it's I, I would I can't I can't bring myself to rate it higher because I loved so much of it. If I generally came out feeling empty, hollow, and and disappointed by the end of the film, by the credits, I was disappointed and I couldn't wait to get up and check my phone and you know, do other things. So. That was that was a shame, uh, but hey, you know you might watch it and absolutely love it. There are scenes in it which have become infamous already, but um, I hope you watch it and love it, and I hope the listeners do as well. But for me, it didn't quite work. But uh, that was me though this week. I've I've got a ton of other films I want to watch, and I'm gonna um, gonna swat up over the next week on loads of new films. But that's what I've been watching this week, my friend. So uh, other than Ghostbusters, not particularly that great, but. Uh, uh, that means that I've had to stay bloody awesome like you have, John. But we have to find ways to stay bloody awesome. We can't. We can get up and do this show, and we can give you an awesome show. But we don't want to do that. We want to give you a bloody awesome show. So each week we have to find new ways to to keep ourselves entertained, to keep ourselves motivated, to keep the bloody awesomeometer at the high end of the scale. So what have you been up to, my friend, this week? So my bloody awesome moment was bonding with pizza in a movie. Um, mm. I mentioned already watching uh, Big Trouble in Little China with my cousin and my friend um, the other night. But so uh, we spent a day. We we saw Malignant, which was a bonding experience because we were so <laughs> all we all shared our kind of uh, not happy yet still entertained vibe from it. Um, yeah. Then we we went to uh, a lunch. We we went to the Hibachi restaurant, so we got some food. Um, we talked for a while. They came back to my house. We talked some more and then we got pizza. We, we ended up, we were going to order delivery and it was Saturday night. So like all the pizza places had like a two hour wait. Of course. Like, well, that's ridiculous. It's already like seven o'clock. We're not going to wait till like nine to get the pizza and then start a movie. So we went to our local grocery store, got some frozen pizzas, um, a six pack of carbonated beverages, uh, of, of a blue moon persuasion. Oh. And, uh, we were going to pick a movie and I'm like, what should we pick? And I had just purchased digitally big trouble little China. I own it on Blu-ray, but I wanted a digital copy cause I that's, I have problems and it was sitting like on the top of my, my screen on, on our fire stick. And I was like, you guys ever seen big trouble little China? And they were both like, no. And for um, my cousin, that was one of my grandpa's favorite movies. And he mm-hmm. didn't know that. Um, and I was like, yeah, so I think this, this would be a good one. And we had a blast. Um, I love that movie. I've seen it many, many times at this point. It's a, every time I get a chance to watch it, I tend to because it's just really, it's so much fun. I love Kurt Russell. Um, and man, it was just a blast. We were eating pizza, uh, watching this movie, just having a good old time. And it was fun bonding with, with them both. And they this is their first time meeting each other. And they spent basically the day together. So it's cool like watching my cousin, who is my friend, and then my friend um, like get to know each other and like, I, I hope have become friends now too. You know, like I, cool. I can't facilitate that, but it's, it's cool. Like kind of uh, branching my circle out a little bit, you know, like, cause my, uh, my other friend is also a work uh, friend. So like someone I know from work, but we, we hang out a lot outside of work. Um, and then now my cousin, who's one of my only family members who I see regularly now, which is still pretty new. Um, it was a cool experience. So that was, that's how I've been saying bloody awesome. What is about you, my friend? Just having Blue Moon is bloody awesome. I've got to say, I tried that mango uh, Blue Moon and it was bloody awesome. I ate so much that I went out and bought a few more bottles the next night. Um, so, yeah, uh, thank you for that. They've only just brought it out over here. Over here, So um, I, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have gone looking for it had you not um, 
sunk a couple and you can never go wrong with pizza um my one is more um more graft but it's it makes me feel bloody awesome and as i said i'm i'm working from home at the minute and i have the the padawan with me uh, as i have done for the last week and a half and we'll do for the remainder of this week anyway um so i've been working from home but i've also been back to homeschooling uh which is uh always a joy and a slog at the same time but uh it makes me feel bloody awesome because by the end of it, when when you look back at the work that's been completed, uh, is it, you you know what it's like. You've you've um you're a father and you've been there to watch your daughter as she's you know she's picking up new skills or ha- is able to do things which maybe weren't you didn't know they could do. I'm like oh, do you know how, do you know how you spell this word? Da-da-da-da-da. Damn, I'm yeah. fair. Okay, fair enough. It's you know you get a kind of immense sense of pride that you know I always look back and think, oh, I remember when you were little and you were only in your rocker and all you could do was cry an awful lot. And now you're a little person who can who can spell these words and uh, sort things into groups and is very is quite good at maths of your age, in fact. Um, and it's really quite nice and it's slightly more entertaining than doing actual work as well. So it's more a sense of pride, but I'll never be a, uh, I always want to be like Burke, but I'll never be able to teach like Burke. But you know, if I can, if I can help along the way in any way, then it's a, it's a bloody, bloody awesome feeling. So a uh, bit of graft, but it's a satisfaction that comes along with it, my friend. No way. I think that's great. And I totally, uh, I, I miss the days of watching, you know, now she's not that she doesn't give me pride for different reasons, but she's <laughs> so adult now. It's just like, you know, I miss those little moments. So enjoy them while they're there because they, they age so fast. Oh, you tell it. So do I, but you, you, you can never remove the memories, my friend. So they always fair be point. there. You can, however, this show will fade into memory, but it'll always be there for you to revisit, uh, like tears in rain, possibly. Oh, um, we are going to be back again Later. next week, of course. We'll be back on Monday with our spoiler review of Malignant, Malignants, usually 10, 15 minutes, so pretty quick and snappy, that one. As far as the main show is concerned, well, we're back next week, and we're going to be reviewing the new Clint Eastwood film, Cry Macho. Um, I think I'm looking forward to it, but it's Clint Eastwood, so I'm never not going to be intrigued by it. So, uh crime at shows our film for next week and if you want to uh, find out more about the bamp or shoot us a message or let us know what you thought about a malignant you can do on our social media you can head over to twitter and find us at bamp underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast john where can i find us on instagram we are at bloody awesome movie pod on facebook we're also at bloody awesome movie podcast we, we do post on there as well for people who still use it religiously uh, if you want to find me you can do what i watch tonight.co.uk search for what i watch tonight across the socials and letterbox which i've just started using and i'm now a patron of as i always said i would be again so uh letterbox as well john where can the world find you um i'm at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all of your social media platforms that's b-e-r-k reviews go check it out and go listen as well uh, and also on letterbox too uh, if you like what you've just heard or you know of other people who like movie podcasts or just two cool dudes uh, do let them know about the bloody awesome movie podcast and please consider rating the show five stars on your podcast provider of choice because it really helps the show grow it gets more listeners in and it just means we get extra chances to talk to other film fans which is kind of what we're here for so uh thank you everybody for listening however with that I'm going to tell you, just keep to stay bloody awesome. Oh, no. And keep watching movies. Blood,
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.